So welcome back to another edition of Storytime with Stu. I'm thrilled that you've tuned in. I don't know how popular or unpopular <laughs> these uh, this kind of mini-series we're doing is going to be, but I am enjoying reading through these uh, perverse, gross, weird books. <laughs> that didn't come off right, did it? But I am enjoying reading through these books that I have read portions of or read in their entirety. Um, when I was involved in the Independent Fundamental Baptist movement, there are those that would not want me to call it a movement, and I will keep calling it that, because that's what it is, and has been for many years. I don't know why I'm talking like this. Uh, it's getting late, and I've had a little whiskey. That's why. Really enjoying reading through these books. So what, the, the book we're going to get into today, yes, I'm introing for too long, I get it. The book we're going to get into today is, once again, Dating with a Purpose, by Jack Scott. I think Dr. Yeah, Dr. Jack Scott on the cover here. And I can't say who it was that gave me gifted me this book for the podcast, uh, but I am very there you go uh, again. But I'm very grateful that they did. So if you're listening, I hope you are. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and it, I think it's going to help some people. And it's certainly going to be a fun source of escapism uh, during these. If hopefully this is I put this out during quarantine or during all this coronavirus craziness. Hopefully a, a fun source of escapism for some of us. For me, it surely is. Uh, I hope it is for some of you. So we're going to get into chapter two. We already read chapter one. We had read, he had quite a few forewords and, and, and dedications. Um, chapter one was starting right. And I can't wait to read chapter two because chapter two is, <laughs> the title is Purity is Not a Dirty Word. So to refresh here, this is written by Jack Scott. I'm going to read some of the stuff on the back of the book. He's got reviews or recommendations. I guess it would be quotes from uh, notable ministers and a little bio on Jack, which I'm really thrilled to read. But if you don't know who Jack Scott is, just Google him. And we, I did look up his release date. I don't have the exact uh, date, but it is 2023. As of this recording, the year is 2020. And he is not set to be released from a federal penitentiary until, I'm sure I've mispronounced that, until the year 2023. I thought it was sooner than that. I thought it was, this, I thought it was 2020, actually. Um, but it is 2023. He's set to be released from a federal penitentiary in Kentucky. But he wrote a book about how teenagers should be, uh, teenagers and young adults should conduct themselves while dating. You might ask, why is he in a federal penitentiary? Well, he was counseling a teenage girl, and he ended up having sex with her multiple times and uh, took her over state lines to do so. And that's why he's there. But he's got a great book on dating that you should read that I read. <laughs> the irony, right? So that's what, to me, that's what makes, that's what adds a special level to this book when reading it. It's like with that grain of salt being the fact that he is locked up for what he's locked up for. And then he's giving you advice on all kinds of things on how to treat your partner. From how to treat your partner to how to not have sex before marriage. It's mind-blowing. And then I will give this disclaimer after I have another drink of this proper 12. By the way, if you haven't noticed, very cool Memento More. I'm not sure if I'm reading that right. Glass from the one and only Gavin Corwin, great friend of mine and supporter of the podcast as well. The disclaimer that's coming with all these books that all all these two these two books that we're reading is because they're in regards to relationships and uh a lot of things that revolve around sexuality inside these books. The disclaimer that I want to bring along with this, these, these reading, the reading of these books, is that while some of the concepts or principles or ideas might seem like okay, well that's benign or that's not a bad idea, that's a nice thing to say or do. The fact of the matter is all of this is taking place inside the construct of the IFB, and that changes everything. How does it change everything? Trust me, I'll address it. Um, as it comes up, because it comes up a lot. So without further ado, I'm going to read the back here, which are these reviews about Jack's cop, who at the time, at the time, seemed like, seemed like a good person, but was a very, even at the time, was a very angry, unkind, temperamental, um, tyrannical person, and now has turned out to be an actual criminal who's doing time in a federal penitentiary. So without further ado, let's see what uh, Dr. Eddie Lapina had to say the doctorate coming from an unaccredited universe, unaccredited uh, college, that being Howes Anderson. It could be incorrect. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I've had the unique opportunity to have known Jack and Cindy Scott during their dating years before marriage. I am a witness to their character. With credibility, 
Dr. Scott has put in print exactly what I believe, and more importantly, what Christian teenagers must learn. Dr. Don Boyd. Again, that's the youth pastor of First Baptist Church, Hammond, Indiana, which is the parent company for Hiles Anderson College, where Jack Scott was on staff when this came out. And Jack's dad ran the church. So Eddie had to write that review. It's a review. This is on Jack's Yelp. We should make a yell for Jack Scott. <laughs> Alright, I wholeheartedly, this is Don Boyd, One-Eyed Don, remember? Don Boyd, no offense, I don't know if he's still with us, rest in peace if he's not. Oh, I wholeheartedly endorse the principles of dating with a purpose. I want the best for those I love and teach, and this book is the best. Pastor Rick Finley. I, I don't, okay. <laughs> dating with a purpose is more than, than another how-to book on premarital relationships. It is a compilation of Bible principles and old-fashioned guidelines penned by a man who... Why do all these guys have eye... Oh! <laughs> they didn't read it. They all have eye, eyesight trouble. I know. I'm being a dick. I know. But <laughs> it's just ironic that the these two in a row... All right. Anyways. For the... <laughs> it's the whiskey. I'm sorry, Jessica, Tyler. I'm sorry. It, just, it came out. I couldn't help it. Uh, for the past 11 years, Dr. Scobb has been... Used of God to influence the lives of the young people in our church. Anyone who hears him preach knows that he has a heart for the youth of America. That same heart is revealed in the pages of this book. Pastor Rick Finley, Fellowship Baptist Church, Storm, North Carolina. Now again, props. Someone who wasn't on staff at, at, at one of his campuses. As a youth pastor, this is Max Hudson, youth pastor of North Valley Baptist Church, Santa Clara, California. They've been in the news, right? Yeah, 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 that's Treber. Yeah, that's Treber. I believe that's Treber. And if, it, if I am correct, he harbored another uh, uh, um, miscreant at best in Cameron Giovanelli. So it runs deep. They all do it. I'm not throwing that out. Oh, it's okay. No, it's terrible, but they all do it. Not all IFB. All these, all these two guys that I'm calling you about. As a youth pastor, I would strongly recommend that anyone who is now in high school or college or who is presently dating to read Dating with a Purpose. Using biblical principles, Dr. Scott has done a tremendous job explaining proper dating habits and answering questions concerning dating. I am confident that this well-written book could be a help to both teenagers and youth workers alike. Reno Likens. I, I, I pause for a moment. Reno, I don't have a lot of good things to say about him. I have a very close friend who um, takes... Uh, the teenagers from his church to Reno's camp consistently. And um, that kind of leads me to believe that there's some good there. Otherwise, my friend wouldn't be doing that, I don't think. But I will say this for Reno. When I was a youth pastor, and by the way, there's a big caste system. And I'm, if you have bad dealings with Reno, tell me. If You <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, that guy's a dick. Okay, okay, I'm not going to disagree with you if he's a bad person. But I want to share something that's anecdotal from my past um, just so that you guys don't think I hate each and every IFB person. I do not. There's a caste system in the IFB. And you don't get to step outside of that. Every once in a while, you'll be at a conference or you'll pay for some... So I don't. It's like Omaze, really. You'll pay a lot of money into something and eventually you get rewarded out of it. or You know what I mean? Like If you pay enough into their thing, you're going to get a meet and greet. You know what I mean? If you pay enough money, if you bring... That's a big thing at youth conference. You bring enough teenagers, you get a trip. Like, pastor school, I remember, um, I think the right before, right after we got to Missouri, my family moved to Missouri, my dad worked for um, Pastor James Bill, and may he rest in peace. Um, he, he had just won or previously won a trip to Hawaii with Jack Hiles because he brought so many people to pastor school. It was a big thing. Was a, there's a pecking... Every once in a while, you get to get an in with these big guys, but there's a pecking order, and you don't just text them for advice unless you guys are super close. I didn't know Reno Likens. I wasn't close with him. I might have met him one or, once or twice when I was in college, but I didn't know him at all. When I was a youth pastor, we had a situation, and I'm not going to name names. I, I don't want to be unkind to the family, but I was a youth pastor, and one of the teenagers in my youth group and this isn't about me at all. I felt terrible for the family. It was an awful situation. If anyone who was in the youth group that I was 
shall we say, leading at the time. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but um, if anyone is listening that was a part of that experience, we'll call it, they already know what I'm talking about. But one of the teenagers in the youth group that I was that I was working with took his own life, um, and it was just awful. Nothing prepares you for that, whether being the remotely involved in, in the church at all. Nothing prepares you for that. And I'm not trumping myself up with this at all. I was clueless. I had no idea what to do. And I'm not trying to use this experience as, um, I don't know, it's just anecdotal. It happened, and I was there. So I'm not trying to, yeah, I'm not trying to use the family or the experience. I just want to talk about Reno for a moment. I didn't know Reno. I don't know how I even got his number. But I texted the guy. I think I texted him and maybe called him. And... Uh, told him what happened and I remember him um, being and again excuse me these guys are not as big a deal as they want you to think they are but anyways I'm going on and on I haven't even gotten to the book I'm sorry okay I'm almost done I called I remember calling and texting Reno and even though it's not that big a deal he was speaking but I'm I'm sure he was tired he and and they when they preached they screamed so when he called me he had no voice and uh, I'm not trying to put him on a pedestal I'm just saying this was cool of him to do. He called me back. He said, hey, man, I just finished you know, uh, preaching, but I got your voicemail, I got your text, and I did want to call you back. He sent me a book because I believe he has a book on kind of like helping families through. And looking back, I, I probably, the book may not even be that helpful because it's just chocked full of IFB stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's practical stuff. But at any rate, I remember even though he was busy, he did give someone who was a nobody. I was absolutely a nobody. Uh, he gave me a call and uh, sent me a book and said, hey, you know, I, I feel for you. Here's some practical stuff, some advice that you can use. And, and it was. I used. I took all the majority of it, I think, and used it and ran with it. So whatever props he's due, I'll give him those props. Okay, but now I'll read his review of Jack and probably say something shitty about him. <laughs> but props to you, Reno, for that. Being a youth director, I see tremendous need for this book in the lives of young people. There's not. If we could get each young person to read it and apply it, we would see couples not only in love with each other, but who would also love Christ supremely and have pure, dedicated, and godly lives. Again, it's bullshit, but I'm not saying he's a bad person for that. If you have a reason why he's a bad person, let me know. That's fine. All right. Brent Neal, Berean Baptist Church, Orange Park, Florida. So you should know this about a Brent, and I could be getting this correct. Andrew Goff, you're listening, correct me if I'm wrong. But this is Brent Neal harbored the same predator that left... So this this is like a roadmap. <laughs> Cameron Giovanelli left. Well, the church that he was with is not on here. But he ended up going to North Valley and then went over to Orange Park. Or not, not Orange Park at the time, but he went to work with... Yeah, no, it's either... No, maybe it's not Brent, but it's one of the Neil family he ended up working for uh, before he was sentenced, uh, Cameron Giovanelli. Finally, a book on dating that will help our young people find a mate. And, and Cameron is in trouble for uh, sexually assaulting, if I'm getting that correctly. I could be getting it not entirely correct, but he had a very improper, overtly sexual relationship with one of the teenagers under his care. Finally, and we've had her on the podcast before. Finally, a book on dating that will help our young people find a mate to help them fulfill God's will for their lives. As a friend, I can, I'm sure, I can recommend Dr. Jack Scott. And as a youth pastor, I can recommend the philosophy of dating with a purpose. Last one is from Pastor Clint Miller. I don't have much to say on him. I didn't know him well. I listened to a lot of his songs, and he has passed, so rest in peace, Clint. As a pastor and a father, I highly recommend this book to all pastors, parents, and teenagers. Brother Scott speaks as the voice of experience, and this book is a real help. He kept it basic. That was smart. Good for you, Clint. All right, chapter two. (laughs) Purity is not a dirty word. (laughs) <laughs> Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 8. The Bible was half thrown and half dropped onto the table, barely missing my tray of food. I looked up into the demanding faces of three teenagers. Dom was about 16 years old. Again, this sounds made up, but he's very dramatic, Jack is. Dom was about 16 years old. He spoke up immediately. You said in your sermon, Brother Scott, that it is wrong to hold hands, kiss, and hug while dating. There you go. That's IFB 101. And you said that you could prove it from the Bible. There's my Bible. I don't know of any verse that says, Thou shalt not hold hands, or thou shalt not hug. Let's see if you can really convince us it's in there. So, by the way, 
he's watched a lot of 90s television because these are the bullies in the schoolroom in the 90s after school specials. This is what <laughs> Jack is. Do you see what? Are you with me? If you're not with me, that's okay. But really, that's what. Oh, this guy was trying to bully me. Jack, he's a teenager, and you were saying some dickish stuff. What? What? Okay. <laughs> that's just the natural course of events. That's not this cool, big, trumped-up, dramatic thing you're making it. You were a dick to him, and you said stuff that pissed him off. So now he's being a dick back to you, and he's a teenager, and you're an adult. Why are you dramatizing this? Why are you writing it in your book? All right. I smiled at Don and his because he's really cool. He's like Chuck Norris. I smiled at Don and his two female companions. That was a threesome. I always enjoy taking the Bible and making sense out of the confusing issues that face teenagers. Dating standards is one of the hot issues with nearly every teen. Don and his friends sat across from me at the table, along with several other teenagers whose ears had perked at the mention of dating, kissing, I'm doing air quotes if you can't, if you're not, if you're listening, not watching, and the Bible, all being used in the same sentence. Let me share with you a brief, brief outline of what I explained to Don. Number one, dating standards must be established on the basis of what is pleasing to God rather than what is pleasurable to man. There's your first problem. Because he's, then he's going into Genesis. Old Testament God wanted you to stone your children for back-talking um, and all kinds of, like, sacrifice your son, right? But, but that's the same God that you want governing your sexual relationships. N no, thanks. Genesis 3.5, the serpent fooled Eve into thinking that she could become a goddess, determining what was right or wrong for herself. How dare, how dare Eve, how dare a woman decide what's right or wrong for herself? The nerve, the gall. You should be as God's knowing, determining for yourselves, good and evil. A casual reading of the book of Judges, again, we're still in the Old Testament, reveals what happens when people do that which was right in their own eyes. Judges 21, 25 B, the latter part of the verse. They become spoiled, sinful, weak, and enslaved by their own appetites, and therefore they become easy targets for Satan to destroy them. <gasps> That's scary. Is he saying all this to these kids? Because I don't think they're getting it. Adam and Eve were destroyed when they chose to determine for themselves what standards by which they would live. In Ephesians 5.10, Paul challenges us to prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. Okay, thank you. Found in the New Testament. Let me ask you a question. Does your dating behavior prove what is acceptable to the Lord, or does it prove what is acceptable to you? The Lord, the God that Jack Scott believed that he knew, and honestly, for Jack's sake, I hope that that has changed. Because the Lord that he thought he knew was a very angry, and he's confessed this to people that I know personally, he's a very angry God. And he's a very uh, unkind God, and he's a very Old Testament God, fire, fire and brimstone, if you will, God. And so, you've got to understand that perspective. Like, oh well, is your is what you're doing in your dating life, you know, is that acceptable to God? Well, no, it's just it's not. It's never. Again, we're we're talking about IFB standards. You got to be perfect. You're never going to measure up. Number one. Number two. God's mad at you all the time. That's Jack Scott's life philosophy, at least at this point in his life when this book was written. And so he's just going to condemn everything that teenagers do. He can mimic jerking off in front of thousands of teenagers and youth workers, but if you put a hand on your girlfriend, Jack Scott can mimic that. But if you put a hand on your girlfriend while you're dating her, God's mad at you. I'm just to give some, some, some clarity there. Does your dating behavior prove what is acceptable to the Lord, or does it prove what is acceptable to you? Pleasure is certainly not bad, unless it is pleasure at the expense of obedience. It is always wrong to do wrong, even if wrong feels right. That is... Okay. A popular song in the 1970s had a line in it that went, I can't be wrong if it feels... It can't be wrong if it feels so right. The pleasure of wrong can never hold a candle to the joy of doing right. And again, you have to understand the IFB ideology. Wrong is listening to that song, because that's probably rock and roll music, right? Wrong is wearing pants if you're a woman. Wrong is drinking the alcohol that I'm drinking. Wrong is having premarital sex. Wrong is watching movies that have curse words and nudity in them. That's all wrong. 
but it feels so right. Yeah, because it's normal. It's not about right and wrong. It's about normal and abnormal. IFB standards and culture is abnormal. Everyday movies and music and relationships, that's normal. It's not right and wrong. It's normal and abnormal. End of story. Oh, I'm heated. <laughs> if pleasure is your guide, choose the greatest thrill of all, the pleasure of purity and holiness. I am not against, if someone decides that they don't want to have sex till they get married, on their own merit or for its own merit on their own terms, do you. That's fine. I've actually had people uh, write me messages and say, hey, look, you say it doesn't work, and not in unkind ways, or you say it's impossible, or, or no one's done it. I've done it. I'd stay pure until marriage, and me and my wife are still married, and we're still IFB, or we're still married, and we're no longer IFB. If, if it worked for you, I am not trying to be a dick to you. That's awesome. Especially if you're still, God, if you're still married, that's fucking great. I'm stoked for you. But by and large, it's not a tactic that holds water. Number two, make your goal in dating. How can we stay pure? Not how far can we go? Uh, how far you can go is sex. There's different kinds of sex, but how far you can go is sex. Like that's, that's it. It's not how far can we, no, it's, it's like, but that's because he wants to do hand-holding and, and, and kissing and necking. Have you heard necking? It's a big one. Necking and petting. Like we're fucking animals. Like we're literally, yes, we're mammals, but come on. All right. But that's a big, do you guys remember that? That was a big one, necking and petting. God, that was such a big one. I loved harping on that. 1 Timothy 5.22 commands us to keep thyself pure. The word keep means to guard. The word pure means clean, innocent, modest, perfect, sacred, blameless. God wants you to guard your innocence so that absolutely no one can blame you or find anything immodest in your dating behavior. All right, so number one was dating standards must be established on the basis of what is pleasing to God rather than what is pleasurable to man. Number two was make your goal in dating how can we stay pure, not how far can we go. Number three is don't arouse desires in yourself or your date that you may not rightfully satisfy. Meaning, don't hold her hand because that is straight up wickedness. In 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, God warns us not to defraud one another. Again, fraud is stealing from my bank account. That's a whole other thing. The word defraud me. Oh, Jack, Jack's going to school me here. The word defraud, and again, I'm not saying he's incorrect on how he's defining defraud because he's probably using a Greek lexicon to interpret it. I am not. Defraud means to cause someone to want to do something they should not do. All right, I throw my argument out. I don't know if I was right or wrong, but defraud now, so if you're using 1611 King James Version, not really accurate, updated, okay? Defraud now means something completely different, so appreciate the clarification, Jack. God also says in the same passage that we must know how to keep our bodies, vessels, pure of fornication. Illicit, again, Jack is describing what fornication is, illicit sexual behavior, and our minds pure of concupiscence, immoral sexual desires, like having sex with a teenager as an adult, like what he's in prison for. Okay, um, please see chapter 3 for practical standards to prevent defrauding. All right, cool. That's the next chapter. We will get to that in the next episode. Number four, be able to say to your children, do as we did. I will never say that to my kid. <laughs> That's nothing against anyone except myself, okay? I make my own decisions. I do, I own my own faults. But I think mistakes are key. And I don't mean in relationships in general. I just mean in life. Mistakes mean you're trying. Mistakes mean you're... And, I don't, and again, I, I don't mean in, in an unkind way, oh, my mistake was I fucked this person over. It's not a mistake. You're an asshole, right? But mistakes happen. Here's my opinion. You can disagree with me. You shouldn't. My opinion is if you're telling kids, do it just exactly like I did, what did you do? Did you not make any mistakes? Do you not want to show, teach them? or should the, There are things I desperately want to tell Chloe, like, hey, not even in dating, just life in general. Hey, and I do tell her some things. Hey, don't do this or try not to do that or think of it this way. Why? Because I did it the wrong way and I want to help her know how to do it the right way or the way that is better for her, not in a religious sense at all, just in a practical sense. If you're, 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just getting a kick out of this. If you're telling your kids, do it just how I did it, fuck you. You didn't learn anything. You didn't make mistakes. That's my opinion. Take it or leave it. But this is not your mother's podcast, so you should definitely take it. Just kidding. All right. I desperately wish there was a way I could make every dating couple feel the same passionate desire in their heart that I have for my children to be pure. Message me privately. I could talk to you about the purity of your children because I'm aware on a personal level of how it is lacking. Absolutely. Or was when they were premaritally dating. I thank God daily that I can truthfully say to my children, date just like your mother and I dated. You will want to be able to say that same one day. I mean, again, th th this is the white picket fence thing. Again, we're back on that. Like, I want everything's perfect in my life. Why isn't it in yours? Because everything's not perfect in your life, Jack. You are in a federal penitentiary. No, everything is not perfect. It's not this white picket fence thing. Life is rough. Life sucks. Relationships are hard. But you learn from your mistakes. And telling your children, I was perfect, so you should be too, which is what he's saying, let's be real, is fucking bullshit. Number five, remember that your girlfriend is someone's daughter, sister, or future wife. That's the porn thing, right? Oh, it's someone's daughter. I'm not advocating porn. I'm not putting porn down. I'm just saying it's the same argument. It's lazy. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, guys, you shouldn't treat women with respect. Or women, you shouldn't treat women or vice versa. We all deserve respect on some level. Treat her just as you would want a man to treat your daughter. I don't disagree with that. Sister or wife. I would be furious if a man tried to defile my precious 13-year-old daughter, Jacqueline, or if a man tried to kiss my wife. Well, yeah, you knock him out. I mean, it's whatever. Well, that same protective attitude toward their purity should characterize your behavior towards your date. Again, this is unrealistic. You're expecting a teenager to understand how he feels about his daughter. I'm not saying to not treat women with respect, don't get me wrong, but Jack, again, is holding people to this standard that's like, how, how do, how, how, how? I didn't know how to feel about a child being your own child until I, until I was a father. So you're saying, you should feel how I feel. That's not something that you can write out or that you can teach. It is a visceral, parental feeling, and it's not something that you have unless you have a kid. And I'm not downing people who don't have kids. If you don't want to have kids, don't by all means, don't have kids. Good for you. Good for you if you want to have kids. Good for you if you don't want to have kids. I'm just saying, for him to say, oh, well, this is how it, you should just automatically understand how it feels to have a daughter. No, no, man. No, not reality. Your girlfriend's daddy or brother might be terribly upset if they knew what you wanted to do with their daughter or sister. I'm going to run out of whiskey. I'm going to have to get a, a refill. See here? We're running out. Again, shout out to the amazing Gavin Corwin for a sick whiskey glass. If you're dating someone, you have intentions. And for a father, he's doing this whole like shotgun wedding, Kentucky, which is where he is now, <laughs> uh, in the federal penitentiary. Um, just like down home kind of like, well, if you fuck with my daughter, I'm going to fuck with you. Like, no, man. I am not advocating anything that is unkind to anyone ever. I'm a father myself to a daughter. So I'm not saying that you should be unkind to the person you're dating or the person you're with. A few years ago, I had to break up a major fight between three brothers and their sister's boyfriend. Probably in Kentucky. I'm not against my Kentucky peeps. I'm just, it's an easy generalization. So I'm sorry, I keep going there. The brothers had driven several hundred miles to fight this guy because he had been getting physically involved with their sister. It was a very nasty situation and the boyfriend almost lost his life. This is, this is, here's where we're at, okay? This is a book from Jack Scott, Dating with a Purpose. I'm holding it up to the camera. Not very well. This is a book from Jack Scott that's trying to help you with your romantic relationships as a teenager. And he cannot get off how great he is. This chapter started off with someone sloshing a Bible. The chapter starts with Jack being the hero of like, uh, I'm the, the high school bully and I'm going to throw... I don't know what the voice that is. But I'm the high school bully and I'm throwing this right in your food. I'm throwing the Bible at you because you're a Bible man and... You show me in the Bible where it says not to hold hands. Show me, preacher. Well, that's not, again, that's some high school bullshit. Number one, why are you eating in the high school cafeteria? That's fucking creepy. 
go out to lunch with a pack. What are you doing? <laughs> Number one, that's and that's the first part. Of it. Oh, I'm I'm the hero because I'm telling this. I'm giving this high schooler what for. You are an adult man. That is not something that you should concern yourself with. You should be. Look, let's be real. First of all, as an adult man, whether you're trying to help teenagers or not, it's highly unlikely that you're sitting there eating lunch in the school high school cafeteria. Not a fun, not a fun place even for most high schoolers, if we're being honest. So, why are you there, Jack? Well, I was preaching, you know, whatever, dude. It is astounding to me how he's this hero in all these stories. The high schooler sloshes this Bible down and says, listen, you... You said this stuff and it made me mad because I'm I'm out here patting the neck and with my girlfriend and so these the, the more alcohol I have the stupider the accents get so I apologize but here he is making this scene in the high school cafeteria Jack shouldn't be there in the first place number one number two how are you the hero and defeating this high schooler that's <laughs> that's ludicrous that's the first story the second story now he has saved a man from certain death. Right, because they these guys wanted to kill. Well, I'm here to save this guy, even though he's being impure and going against all these Old Testament precepts. Here I am to save him, Jack. You're, st I don't know. The more I read this, the more I realize the guy was so up his ass that his stories he couldn't help but say how amazing he was in all of his stories. Okay, number six. So number one, dating standards must be established at the on the basis of what is pleasing to God rather than what is pleasing to man. Of course, pleasure would have been. That's more, much more important. Make your goal in dating, how can we stay pure, not how far can we go. That's number two. Number three, don't arouse desires in yourself or your date that you may not rightfully satisfy. Number four, be able to say to your children, do as we did. Again, I love that he has that mind. I'm sorry, I can't get off that. I love that he has that mindset of, we did everything just right. So here's your blueprint, do it just like us. No, fuck that. As a parent, I know of the mistakes I've made, most of them, and I am thrilled, thrilled beyond fucking measure. I'm preaching now. <laughs> if any of the teenagers who were in my youth group when I was around, they know I, I couldn't get spirited like this without alcohol. I couldn't holler and scream for shit. I am fucking thrilled to be able to tell Chloe, look, here's the, the shitty mistakes I made. I'm not saying you won't make them too, but here's the mistakes I made. Here's how to not make them. Or here's why it's a good idea to not do that. Because I fucked up. But Jack is saying, my dating relationship, my 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 marriage, it, it was perfect. So do it just like I did. Fuck that. I made mistakes. Here's my mistakes. I'd like you to not make the same mistakes that I did. Do you, do you see the, the opposites here? It, it just blows my mind. Number five. Men, remember that your girlfriend is someone's daughter, sister, or future wife. The porn argument. Number six, realize that anything you steal from the future to enjoy now will only... Oh, no, I have more pages. Oh, shit. Okay, I gotta, I gotta work on this. <laughs> All right. Will only rob you, rob you of greater satisfaction later. Physical love is a very wonderful gift that God has given to married couples. No. And in marriage, it is very satisfying and rewarding. It's satisfying and re physical love. Sex, Jack, it's sex, is rewarding. You don't have to be married for it to be enjoyable, okay? God pity the couple who steals it before their wedding day to satisfy their undisciplined lust. Oh, that's so sinful. That undisciplined indulgence will only create disrespect and insecurity in their marriage later. Again, what about the teenager you're with? Like what what you were with? What 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 about her? How does that dynamic work for her? Okay, anyways, when my wife and I got into our car on our wedding day to drive to the airport, I looked at her as we pulled away from the church. Again, this is I gar I can't guarantee you. I'm gonna say I'm ninety five percent sure that if we could get Cindy to sit down with us, and I don't blame. I, if I was her, I wouldn't want to sit down with me at all, ever, for any reason. Really, I don't blame her. But if we could get her to sit down with us, and we could say, Cindy, can we read through this, and or at least this 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 paragraph here, is this accurate? We would find that it was most likely not. 
Cindy, he's so Jack is saying to Cindy, we're pulling, we're heading to the airport. O'Hare or Midway. Jack, I hope we flew out of Midway. O'Hare is a shit show. Even then. Cindy, everything from here on out is all brand new for us. We were alone in the car. We could hold hands, hug and kiss. And these were wonderful experiences that we could now share together. Again, remember this. Jack got Jack married Cindy at a very young age, younger than he expected. Most of his high schoolers at HB, Hema Baptist, college students and at Howells Anderson and so on to get married. He married her quite young, which is usually suspect in the IFB culture. There's usually a reason. And I'm not saying Jacqueline was conceived out of wedlock, but it wouldn't surprise me. And I would not be remotely surprised if Jack and Cindy, and this is nothing against either of them in this regard, went to the altar pure. Didn't go to the altar pier. I'm going to say that right now here on Not Your Mother's Podcast. I highly doubt that Jack and Cindy, Jack, Jack, Jack Hiles, <laughs> Jack Scop and Cindy Hiles, I highly doubt they were pure when they met at the marriage altar. Anyways, all right. And since we had kept ourselves pure while we were dating, it has been fresh and exciting to this day. I love my boy Timmy Tebow, but I ain't buying that shit. Number seven, if your date gets physical with you, don't deceive yourself into thinking that they were not physical with someone before you and will not be physical again with someone after you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not talking about, I'm not at all talking about date rape or anything like that. If that you know, that's, that's what the police are for. Like, that's a real thing, and that's fucked, and no one should have to experience that. But Jack is saying, like, Oh, well, they probably had sex before with someone else before they had sex with you. And they're going to have sex with people after they have sex with you. Uh, yeah, that is real life. That's how it goes. It is rare that you have just one. Look, if you've only ever had one partner and that has worked out for you, please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be an asshole to you. Really, I'm not. If, that, that, if, if that's what's working for you and that's what you've done, that's fucking great. That sounds fairy tale that sounds amazing i'm jealous if i'm being honest but that's not the reality for most people and jack is trying to make it jack scop is trying to make it sound like well you know only bad people have multiple sexual partners that's what i'm reading let's be real all right just a few days ago my wife and oh oh cool it's gonna be the hero again you watch just a few days ago my wife and i were counseling a lovely young teenage girl she had gotten physically involved with the, again, they can't say sex and hand jobs and blow jobs. They can't say that. They have to say physically involved, premarital, blah, blah, blah. Right. With a young man who had told her she was the only one. I cautioned the girl that there was a very good possibility that he was not being truthful and that there might very well be other girls in his past. The dude's a player is what Jack's trying to say, but Jack would probably prefer to be the player in this situation. She assured me there were none. Recently, this girl came to me crying. Again, there's no corroboration. I highly doubt this even happened. And if it did, it's just an easy manipulation tactic by Jack. You were right, Brother Scop. I'm not the only girl he kissed and <laughs> hugged. <laughs> I'm not trying to make light of this fantasy situation that Jack has created because I don't think it's even real. But even if it is, I'm not the only girl he kissed and hugged. I'm not trying to make fun of this girl. I'm just saying, that's the reality of dating. You kiss and hug. You have sex. You figure out if you're compatible in all the ways. You see, he had broken God's command to stay pure. Kissing and hugging is not sex. Purity, by definition, is waiting until you get married to have intercourse. I'm not saying that in this illustration that he is most likely fabricated, fabricated, this guy didn't have sex with someone, but he's talking about hugging and kissing, and then he escalates straight to sex, right? Which is the opposite of purity. So Jack, you gotta be all in or all out. Making it easier for him to break God's command to be honest. I don't care what words of loyalty and devotion he feeds you. If he wants your hugs and kisses badly enough, He'll lie to get them again. This is actually what's interesting about this passage here is that Jack is actually detailing grooming methods here. You look at the manipulation on his... Put yourself in the situation. The girl's sitting across from you. She's saying he hugged and kissed and Jack is condemning him. 
Let's be honest, guys, gals, anyone. If someone you're close with, that you're trying to get it on with, i.e. have sex with, okay? <laughs> if they're sharing intimate details and saying, I think this person, not, not in a criminal way, but took advantage of the situation, or took advantage of me, or, you know, was with someone else and now I feel like I've been cheated on, really, is what it is. And you play that card of, man, that guy's the fucking worst. How dare he? And you have the ulterior motive of having sex with that person. That's what this sounds like. Let's be honest. Let's be real. That's what it sounds like. All right. Perhaps you girls have been told to pull, to pull off your shoe and hit your date with a sharp heel if he becomes aggressive. If they've been told that, it was Jack Scott or Jack Hiles that told them. This may work, but I suggest that you begin your dating with the comment that you are very close to your father and that you tell him everything that happens on a date. That was my wife's technique and it worked well with her. That's going to be a short date <laughs> in the year 2020, 2021, whenever you hear this. That's and I'm not saying to not have a close relationship with your parents, but if a girl tells me that, again, I'm older, I'm not, I'm, 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 in my mid-30s, fuck, in my mid-30s, but it's true, but that's just, all right, I don't, I don't know, that just comes off as weird at best. Number eight, remember that wedding vows don't change a person's morals. Oh yeah, this is a big one, the IFB loves this one. If your date cheated on his parents, his pastor, and his savior before your wedding day, you have absolutely no guarantee that you will not, that he will not cheat on you after your wedding day. And this is a big thing with the, with the IFB. And this is something that caused me a lot of trouble. Um, me personally. There was a lot of blame and guilt that I felt. Because I felt like things that had happened in relationships for me were my fault. Because of the IFB ideologies that were put on me. Through this kind of mentality, it's it's unreal the kind of guilt that they propagate onto people. Too many blinded individuals think that their loose and undisciplined boyfriend is going to make a transformation because he puts on a tuxedo, stands on a church platform, and repeats pretty words. That's just plain dumb thinking. You're dumb, says Jack. The same is true of a girlfriend making a transformation when she carries some lovely flowers and stands at a church altar. And what Jack is saying is that if someone had premarital sex with you, he or she is going to cheat on you. That's how it works. And that's a real construct. It's something that I have personally had to deal with and experience within the IFB. When you go to a pastor for counseling and you admit to them, oh, we had premarital sex. Well, yeah, that's the problem. They love porn. Listen, let's just be real. IFB pastors love to get you for porn and premarital, and not just IFP, even ecumenical pastors on the porn, porn and premarital sex. When you admit to either of those, oh, well, that, that's a problem. That's what you did wrong. You had sex before you got married. You watched people that were naked have sex on your computer, on your TV. That's the problem. And actually, um, I've spoken with my therapist about pornography, and she it's, it's a real concern. It can be a real problem for people. But... The IFB, those pastors aren't trained on how to deal with the fact of a, whether it be a porn addiction or something that is taking away when it comes to pornography, taking away from your relationship. And I'm not, I'm not here to condemn porn. I'm just saying they're not trained to deal with that at all on any level. So for him to say, you know, impurity before marriage or he'll get to it, pornography is an issue for your marriage. Okay, maybe it is, but he is not the one to make that determination. A licensed therapist or psychologist is. All right, anyways, back on track. Set a goal in your life to walk to your wedding altar pure and chaste and virgin. All the same thing, Jack. Like, it's cool. You have a thesaurus. That's great. Set apart for just one person. A Christian teenage girl attending a large public high school was asked every Monday by her girlfriends if she had scored with her date on Friday, meaning did she behave impurely? Have sex. Jack, say you had lots of it. Say sex. It's sex. Jesus Christ. One Monday when her friends quizzed her, she responded, 
Anytime I want to, I can become like you, but you can never again become like me. Cool, you're out of the club. You're an asshole. Like, why would we keep talking to you if you're going to have that kind of attitude? I do. Re I vividly remember reading this as, as a teenager and thinking that was so cool. Okay. Number 10, make a holy vow to God that you will stay pure in your dating. Write your vow in your Bible. I swear to God. I don't have that Bible anymore, but I definitely wrote that down, <laughs> and I didn't keep it. Type it on a card and place the card on the bathroom mirror or on the door of your room so that you will be constantly reminded of your promise to God to stay pure. Again, purity is not having premarital sex. Recently, it made headlines when 12 Chicago teenage girls took a vow of chastity to stay pure until their wedding day. Even the world Again, bad, ungodly, wicked people. Respects people with the character they wish that they had themselves. Number 11. Beg God every day, and especially before each date, to help you stay pure. That's it. That's all he's got from that point. Number 12. Date only those who are approved by both your parents and your pastor or spiritual advisors. Again. This is the guy that's having sex with someone who came to him for counseling. And he's saying, make sure you go to your pastor to make sure you're they're cool with the people you're having sex with, even though he was the pastor who is having sex with the people who came to him for help, whether it was making sure it was okay for them to date those date certain people or not. You see what? It's a, it's a scam. Number 13, realize that moral purity is a marvelous way to honor your parents, please your pastor, and love your God. Did it ever occur to you that it is hard to love a spirit? I'm confused. You can buy flowers and candy for your date, but how do you show God that you really love him? Fortunately, God tells us many things he likes, and one of his favorite gifts is when dating couples keep themselves pure. Again, there's no verse here. You know, it's the Bible, because Jack said it was. Then, too, what a wonderful way to say to your parents and pastor, we love you, and we want to show our love and gratitude to those who love us most and have invested in our lives. This is my para not my addition, not paraphrase, but we want to show the love by getting divorced because we didn't have sex before marriage and realize that she's super kinky and I'm not. He's super kinky and I'm not. It doesn't work out for us sexually. No, no, no. Wait to have sex until after you get married and then get divorced. That's going to make your parents mad happy, right? And your pastor especially. After I finished speaking to Don and his... Oh, oh, we're back to the story where he's the hero because a teenager tried to bully him while he was an adult eating in the high school cafeteria. <laughs> All right. After I finished speaking to Don and his friends, I left the table and slowly went... Honestly... I really enjoyed reading um, The Hardy Boys by Franklin W. Dixon as a teenager, and he has not written this that much unlike those stories. Just saying. Slowly made my way toward the chapel where I was to preach again. I heard footsteps running behind me, and when I turned, I saw Don coming toward me. Jack's the hero. Pay attention. Brother Scott, much of what you said makes a lot of sense, but I'm still going to hold hands and probably kiss my girlfriend, he said. Why is that so, Don? I asked. Who says, who talks like this? Because it feels good. And I just like doing it, I guess. Guarantee you Don had spiky hair. He replied. I walked side by side with Don for several moments before I spoke. Finally, I said, Don, I need your advice on something. My wife and I have not been getting along lately. Don's eyes widened in curiosity as Jack continued to tell, tell, this made-up tale. Again, if this is true, this is pure manipulation from Jack Scott. So just... <laughs> Either way, he's an asshole. You see, Don, my wife insists... That, oh, I remember this. He would preach this, too. You see, Don, my wife insists that I take out the garbage every week, and she simply does not understand how much I despise taking out the garbage. It stinks. It is messy. Jack, you're a whiny bitch. <laughs> Besides, I just don't want to do it. So now we're fussing about who should take out the garbage. Do you have any suggestions to help me, Don? Quickly, Don came back. Brother Scott, I have to take out the garbage in my house too, so I know how much you hate it. But it really isn't that bad, is it? 
Dot, I hate taking out the garbage, I shouted. I just don't think my wife ought to insist that I do it if I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. That should settle it, right? But Brother Scott, that's not the point, he shot back. If you really love her, Don's voice trailed off. The impact of what he had tried to tell me struck him deeply in his emotions. Go on, Don, I urged. What were you saying? If I love her, what? Finish that for me. That's my problem, isn't it, Brother Scott? I guess I just don't love Jesus enough, said Don. Brother Scott, the issue is not what I want to do. The issue is, do I love Jesus enough to simply do what he wants me to do? You fucking kidding me? <laughs> Number one, that story's made of bullshit. Number two, you went way too deep with your made-up story, Jack. My friend, that is your problem, too. For if you love him, you will obey his commandments. And to those who love him, his commands are not too much to follow. And then he quotes 1 John 5, 2 and 3b. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And his, com dot, 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 and his commandments are not grievous. Next chapter is chapter 3, defraud not one another. But this is just... Again, Jack's stories are fucking awesome, aren't they? He's the hero. He's the cool guy. He's the fucking Chuck Norris of the high school cafeteria. And in every, honestly, he watched a lot of Chuck or something, or Errol Flynn, I don't know. But he's always the hero. He always comes out on top. He can tell his kids, do it the way that I did because I was perfect. Really, like, why? The only reason I would tell the child that I am the father of to do something exactly how I did is if I did it exactly perfect. And I don't know if I've done anything in my life, and I'm not trying to shit on myself, I'm just saying, I don't know if I've done anything exactly perfect. So, again, it's, it, is, it is hilarious to read these stories from Jack and see how he always comes out the hero. It, again, it's hilarious, and it's very intriguing because that tells us how he felt about him. And then we all want to be the hero, like Joe Rogan says, right? Of our own movie. But not every moment is is that. That's not how it works. Anyways. That was chapter two <laughs> of Dating with a Purpose. I definitely got way off track on a lot of stuff. This episode went longer than I had anticipated. But I hope you enjoyed this episode of Storytime with Stu. A division of Not Your Mother's Podcast. And um, feel free to leave any comments or any feedback. We always uh, relish it and want to hear what your experiences have been in the IFB. Even if you disagree with what we have to say, we want to hear about it. So again, thanks so much for watching this episode of Not Your Mother's Podcast.